This was such a great event. This was just at a little county, you guys. <laughs> that was pretty cool, huh? Can you imagine President Trump coming to your county? And it was a just standing room only, and people... There are people outside just wishing they could go in. So super, super cool. Hey, Patriots, I'm glad to be with you today. I'm Melissa, Red Pill the World. We're going to look at what President Trump said at that uh, at that meeting and uh, some little clues that we have from that. And uh, also, don't forget to go to freedomforce.live. This is our channel, and we have over 800 videos on there about how this is literally biblical. Literally biblical, what we are experiencing, and we're going to win. There is no doubt about it. It has lots of twists and turns, and I know most of you want, <laughs> wanted this to be done a long time ago, but he gave us some clues today, and I hope you're going to enjoy that. And also, I'm going to talk to you about what happened between um, when our Lord Jesus died on the cross, then rose from the dead, and then between that and Pentecost, you might be interested to see all the, I'm very interested to see all the place, all the times that um, people got to see him alive from the dead. So very, very, very cool. Um, I hope you'll enjoy that. So definitely go to freedomforce.live. Definitely go to the social media and join all of our social media. We had a weird thing to happen this week with, um, we had a weird thing happen with Truth Social even, and we had something weird happen with, um, uh, rumble. So just be aware that some, in case something is, you don't hear from me, go and look and, and make sure that you're on the other social media because you just never know at any moment what might be, um, uh, what might go down. And uh, years ago, whatever it was, three years ago when we all got kicked off, it was so hard for us to join back together. And that's why I've put all of our social media right here so <laughs> that we can find ways to make sure that we are together, stay together, and that they can't uh, separate us. Um, so yeah, here are, are my video channels right here. So yeah, I still haven't been able to get back on YouTube. And there's, you know, they're talking about Twitter, and I'll get to that. But but I yeah, I don't think that I could make it over there <laughs> for very long. Anyway, I'm doing a little bit, but that's not really my main place. To uh, you know, all these other places right here, the social media, um, we're posting all the posts there except for Twitter. We're just posting a few things on Twitter because it's just, it's still a danger, danger zone. And don't forget, this is my book, End Times and a Thousand Years of Peace. I have three books about how this is biblical. This is the, the truth about uh, end times, and it's very good news. It's the end for them and a thousand years of peace for us. That's where we are. You look at President Trump. Does he look worried? Does he look nervous? No. He, you know, it's funny because he'll say the most daunting thing, but you can tell by his mannerisms that he knows that we're going to win. It's, you know, <laughs> it's kind of weird. Anyway, so uh, he doesn't say it in a, in a fear-mongering way. He says it in a motivational way to say, okay, everybody, let's, let's go. Let's redouble our efforts and let's get after it. All right, so here's one of my um, favorite things where he's talking about this lab leak. But anyway, let's check this out. Let's give me a number. Sure, it's $750 million a year. That's peanuts by comparison to what some countries get, by the way. So stupid. And they don't even respect it or appreciate it. Sir, $750 million. I said, that's okay. Inform them that as of tonight, they're not getting 10 cents. As soon as that happened, they, they took them all back. They used to clog up their runways and clog up the road so we couldn't bring them back. This is for 10 years. But we took them, they, we brought back tens of thousands. And we put in place a strong travel ban to keep the radical Islamic terrorists out of our country. It took a lot of heat. I took a lot of heat for that one, but we did the right thing, and you saw how good our record was on that. You saw what happened, right? You didn't see. I don't like to talk about it even, because a lot of bad things have happened in the last two and a half years. But you take a look at our record. We had an amazing record, right? Remember the... 
So he he <laughs> lets the money do the talking, first of all. And so that really really resolves a lot of issues when you say we're not going to be giving you all this money. And so, uh, because we've just been the world's piggy bank, which is absolutely outrageous. And we're still, despite all of that's going on, we are still the, the biggest economy in the world. So by far. So we are, you know, the money can do a lot of talking right, right there. So that's, you know, that's one of the big ways that he will, you know, end this war in Ukraine and, and get to the bottom of it, plus holding people accountable for all their crimes, whether it's in Afghanistan or Ukraine or whatever. So anyway, check out. The old days before, before I was there, I stood firm against the socialist Green New Deal fanatics and we achieved American energy independence and even energy dominance. We were dominant. We were dominant. We're going to make so much money, we would have paid down our debt. We would have been bigger than both. Bigger than both times two. That's where we were headed. We have more liquid gold under our feet than any other nation. Now, who even knows that? Did You guys know that. You know that, right? I was actually just in a conversation the other day, and they're like, oh, well, Africa's so wealthy because they have all these natural resources. I said, we have more, more oil and more natural gas than any other country in the world. And she didn't, this girl did not know that. And so that really puts you in a different position. You're like, oh, you know, we're, we are, a, we are, we are wealthy in our natural resources. So that was really interesting. And I'm going to show you a little clip today about how the Biden administration has been selling us down the river as far as not so that we wouldn't be able to get the cobalt. I think I've got a clip on that. Who even knows it? Who even knows that? After years of economic surrender from past leaders, and they surrendered, our leaders surrendered, just about all of them. I stood up to China like no administration ever has done before, bringing in hundreds of billions of dollars pouring into our treasury from China when no other president had ever gotten them to pay us 10 cents, not 10 cents. I took in hundreds of billions of dollars. That's why I think a lot of people say maybe they did that on purpose because they had to get me out. I personally don't think I think that they did the lab leak on purpose. It was just incompetence, frankly, it happened at the lab. But a lot of people think uh, that it was done on purpose because I was taking in hundreds of billions of dollars and we were and when he says China, remember, he's talking about the CCP. And there's a difference, just like in our country, that between the, the, the deep state cabal that runs our country and the, and the patriots, okay? So you can't just lump America into one big basket. So the same thing with China. It's the CCP versus the Chinese patriots. And anyway, that goes into Miles Guo and all of that, too. I'm not going to go into that today, but I have other videos on that. He's quite, <clears throat> quite, quite a patriot. The officer said, we've never seen crowds like this outside of this building. One of the reasons is that they're so bad. We're good. And they, they long for those days. But they're so bad when they look. And the comparison is so incredible, so powerful. While conservatives, Christians, and patriots are being persecuted, the horrendous corruption and law-breaking of the Biden crime family is not just ignored. It's covered up. I mean, they're covering it up. Uh, those people are covering up the fake news, and DOJ is covering it up. What Congressman James Comer and Jim Jordan have revealed about the Biden crime family would be Watergate times 10 if this news was 
revealed 10 years ago. This is much bigger than Watergate. This is much, much millions of dollars coming in from China and Russia and Ukraine into the family. And they don't want to even write about it. The Biden crime family. They really do look like the Godfather. <laughs> this is the board that talked about the Godfather, and that's their part, their big part of it. We don't have a democracy anymore. We don't have a democracy anymore. We don't have a free press anymore. We don't have. They don't want to write about the biggest story. This would be the biggest story of our time. I mean, if I were a journalist, I'm an ambitious guy. We're all ambitious, right? We're ambitious because we want to do the right thing. That's why I'm ambitious. I want to make America great again. We had it great. We had it great. That's my only ambition. But. And um, uh, by the way, I want to just say this. One of the clues that I have from this, you know, I just posted a video about BlackRock. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about it, but you need to go and search on my thing. If you haven't, uh, on my social media for the BlackRock video, because it's showing how they are gigantic. They are taking over every, every, every amount of money really in the world. Really, it's, it's outrageous how, how much they've taken over. And, and they were also just began because they gobbled up so much of the stock market. They've gobbled up now. They're gobbling up um, real estate. And so President Trump had, for many, many years, had built up his real estate empire, but then BlackRock would have come and gobbled it up. President Trump knows this. He, could, he knew what they were doing and that he would, they would be the end of his real estate, quote, empire. And so, but he built up this war chest so that he would have the wherewithal to, to fight this battle. And that's what he just said, basically, is, you know, we always thought he was this blowhard billionaire. And we are realizing now eh, that's not who he is. He loves America. He's willing to put himself in harm's way and, and fight and, and fight all the powers that be worldwide. And uh, it doesn't matter what they say or do to him. Quite, quite something, quite amazing. Um, but it's, it's, um, that, that's the ambition that he has. His ambition is not to be wealthy just for the sake of wealth. His ambition is to make America great again. But to see what's going on and to have nobody do anything and nobody write stories, I mean, other than certain outlets, nobody wants to even talk about these things. And these are massive, certifiable crimes, but they go after us. They go after Republicans and conservatives. And they go after evangelicals like never before. These are sick people, and we have to win, and we have to put it. Right, right. See, it's it's he's. <laughs> I love how he's uh, he strikes that balance between this is serious, but we're we're going to fight and we're going to defeat them. Yeah. More precarious position than we are right now, and a lot of that has to do with the power of the weaponry. Uh, you don't want to mention the word, but it's nuclear and. The power of this would be something so devastating. And we have a person in there that has no idea what he's playing with. The old Republican Party of rhinos, neocons, and globalists is gone. And it's never coming back, never going to come back. There aren't enough people. There aren't enough. Look at that. That's pretty cool. So I, <laughs> so I want to add, okay, put in the comment section if you think that, we, that he's really... It legit you know, saying this if he really believes that or if he's, he's you know, kind of wishing that were true because the, the, the honest truth is so many of these big money donors are on the Republican side. But we see with how they're dealing with, um, you know, Bush and Karl Rove and, and 
you know, all them dealing with um, Rhonda Sanctimonious, they're not being effective. They're not, with all their money, they're still just dwindling. And so that's what's, you know, in, if you, even if you're in a Republican county, many of them, um, <coughs> the rhino still control, excuse me, still control each of the counties. But we are pushing back. We are, you know, making, making uh, an effect, and they, can't, they clearly have not been able to stop the Trump movement and the MAGA movement. Yes, I understand about the, the 2020 election. We still believe there's something else bigger is going on. This is a military operation, and it's, it's something bigger going on. But, yes, we are still, you know, battling them, but I think that's interesting that he says that the, they're never, never coming back. Yay. Yay. And we're just going to keep advancing, advancing, advancing. And that's, the, that's why we call our, our channel the Freedom Force Battalion, because it talks about that, um, that we take our, the kingdom by force. The violent men, you know, we've suffered violence, but the violent take the kingdom by force. That's us. We are kicking the doors in to get our kingdom back. The meek will inherit the earth. The polls show clearly that the people are with us in this fight. And I think what I'll do is I'll show you, I'll have them put up on the screen, but one just came out that is so incredible, and they're coming out left and right. I think he was showing the numbers of um, how, how he's doing, he's beating Biden, he's beating the sanctimonious, you know, that they are not able to even come close. And then you've got all of the, you know, so many of the African-Americans are realizing that Biden has not been good for their wallet. Uh, so I think that they're realizing Trump is the gangster that they want. <laughs> He's the good gangster. Um, you know, especially now that they've, they've, uh, they've made him epic by arresting him, right? Interesting. Interesting. But he was arrested in an interesting way. This guy was saying the other day, he says, I think that was that would have been my, my greatest day ever. <laughs> when you watch him the whole day, he's getting he's escorted in a, in a limousine to the airport. He you know, jumps on his uh, his his fancy airplane and he flies up there, and then he's escorted, you know, with, with this huge entourage into Washington DC. I mean, really I've never had such a day as that, right? <laughs> so even when he's arrested, he's like, you know, he's just, it does everything huge. Anyway, I thought that was fun. All right, so then this one is about um, the MAGA movement, more about the MAGA movement. But they're a, uh, I think they're a shrinking breed, I think. I hope we got to get them the hell out. The communists and the anti-energy extremists, they are anti-energy for whatever reason. Who the hell knows? What are they doing? We were energy independent just a few years ago. We were going to be energy dominant within six months, more than Saudi Arabia, more than Russia put together. We stand up to the open border and the environmental fanatics, the fanatics and pro-China special interests, and we stand up to all those people back there, the fake news media. We put workers first, we put families first, and above all, we put America first. We put America first. Before we revolutionized politics and redrew the political map in 2016, a redrawing like nobody had ever seen before, like nobody even believed, Republicans were on the verge of losing 
this nation forever. Barack Hussein Obama came into office and soon had 60 Senate seats. You remember those days? In 2012, Mitt Romney lost Florida, Ohio, and Iowa by a very large margin. He didn't fight hard, I can tell you that. Winning Michigan, Wisconsin, or Pennsylvania was totally impossible, according to everybody. It couldn't be done. You can't do it. That means the Republican Party wasn't going to win at all. It wouldn't exist, frankly. Republicans were a party known for... Because if those states are, are dyed in the wool, blue, blue states, and, and you've already got California, you've already got um, uh, New York, then there's no way you can get the numbers to work. That's what he's saying. Starting wars overseas, we're cutting Social Security and Medicare at home, and pushing mass amnesty for illegal aliens. Our party was looking at eight long years of crooked Hillary Clinton in the White House. Six or seven radical left justices on the Supreme Court, hundreds more Marxist and communist judges on the federal bench, and no path to victory in the Electoral College. We were given no shot. You know, people don't remember just before the election in 2016. We were given no shot, remember? They were saying he's got a 4% to 3%, and then we'll go out to rallies where you'd have 55, 60, 70,000 people show up. I say, what do you mean? Yeah, you know, and, and that's one of the things I want to remind you guys of, because in God's Word, it says that when, when there's basically no shot, no chance, when, when the evil is at its height, when they have you locked down and, and, and where you have no way to get up, like you're in a headlock in a, in a, in a, uh, a wrestling match, but, but God will, um, they'll be rescued, but not by human hand. This is the Lord that is setting us free, because there was no, no way, no way, no way until President Trump came in and turned it around. Plus the, the Great Awakening, because now he's taught us, really, let's just be honest, he's taught us how to fight and how to, how to be citizen journalists, which I'm going to get to here in a minute with, with Elon Musk. But yeah, here he's talking about we have to save our country. And we saved our Republican Party. And, 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 and they had hijacked it. So let's, let's love our Republican Party, but get the hijackers out. The world is laughing at us. The world is taking advantage of us like they have never taken advantage before. They didn't do that with us. You would have never had what's happening in Ukraine. Russia would not have attacked, and China wouldn't be talking about Taiwan. So we have to see this evolution through to its completion for many more reasons than that. We're going to save our party, our party. But we really are doing something much more even than that. We have to save our country. We have a year and a half to go. year and a half to go. Right, and he even mentioned that to Flynn. He's like, "Keep healthy. We're gonna be back in there a year and a half." All right. So now the, the next thing I want to show you is this is very interesting. Oh, you know what? Let me do the Elon Musk one because I keep saying about we're gonna do the Elon Musk. Uh, let me do that one. So he's talking about the citizen journalist. Now I will say that there are more. There's more truth coming out on Twitter, but he doesn't have complete control over it. It's just honest truth. Is I don't know if it can be saved because it's it's got so many bots in there to remove any time that we post anything that, you know, like uh, Midnight Rider posted just one. She says, I'm going to go try to post on Twitter. And within a day, she was already getting, uh, getting, uh, you know, having problems. Anyway, so he's talking about, though, 
that it's so important that we have citizen journalists and the, and the big dogs, the big establishment players don't like the fact that we are competing against them on a level playing field. And the thing that's happening right now is they're taking away their blue checks. And hell, you'd have thought the world is coming un, uh, to an end because they have always been, oh, just listen to us because we have the blue check and they'll listen to the little, the little nobodies. And that's what's happening here is uh, you know, we're on a, on a more level playing field. Not completely with Twitter, but you. But the fact of how much they're crying about losing their blue check, it must be pretty important. It should apply to me as it applies to everyone on Twitter, just as it does on positive or negative. So what do you do? Same for everyone. Now, now, the, now the thing that, that, that a lot of traditional journalists don't like is they don't like being put on the same platform as the average citizen. They don't like their voice being the same. They're pretty mad about that. <laughs> yes, I. Uh, there are several news organizations who don't like your push for democratization and what they believe is the devaluing of the badges because they yes. were differentiated. So is that just a moment that's in deliberate. time? That's Is that just a moment in time? No, that's deliberate. I, I think it's very important for to, to elevate citizen journalism. Uh, I think it's very important to hear the voice of the people, the actual voice of the people not the filtered voice of the people, and let the people choose the narrative, and let the people determine the truth, um, and not five editors-in-chiefs of uh, major publications. Do you, do, you, do you want to know what's really going on, or do you want their opinion? You know, it's a handful of people. I think, I think we want to know the voice of the people, the true voice of the people. Yes. Yes, we do. The problem is he still, as much as he's done, he still doesn't have complete control over Twitter. And so it's, it's still hard to get uh, the truth uh, over on, on Twitter. That's just a fact. That's just a fact. But, um, you know, it's, as much as you can, if you, if you can create a new account. I had to create a new account. And if you can create a new account and go over there and post, terrific. Terrific. And if you, if you lose your account, whatever, at least as much as you can, get some, get some truth out of there. So take, everybody take whatever you know, we post and just share it wherever you can, okay? Um, okay, so now, so that's a, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. The blue checks is a big deal. <laughs> they realize that we are on a level, getting on a more level playing field, and people are not going to, you know, they're not going to be differentiated. Big, big deal. All right, so now this is very interesting because it's saying that, um, that um, Bush... Junior is not able to leave the country. I didn't know that. I didn't know that because of his crimes against Iraq. Okay, check this out. I don't like the questions I ask, so I'll ask you one today. Please explain to me the difference between Putin's invasion of Ukraine and our invasion of Iraq. Somebody tell me what was different. Why? Which I would say, <laughs> y'all know me, I'm gonna, I'll tell you if you want me to know, we'll only really know, is with the invasion of Iraq, our, our government, Bush Jr. and all the rest of them, were trying to go into the Middle East to, to steal their natural resources and to start a war and to make money off of a war. Whereas with, with, with Putin invading Ukraine, it was that Putin is trying to stop the bioweapons. Truly, the very thing that they said they were trying to go into Iraq for, 
that, that Bush said he was going into Iraq for was not true. We, by all accounts, we know that that was not true, but that is the case. We do we know because of the NIH, the National Institute of Health, that there are 26 bioweapons labs in Ukraine. So, and also to save, to rescue the people of the Donbass. These poor people have been bombed and, and just t treated horribly in the Donbass. So he was, he was uh, saving those people. But his point is, it's a, <coughs> sorry, I need to go get a drink of water. Hold on, I'll be right back. Okay, pause. So I really appreciate what he's trying to say. He's, he's trying to say, that, you know, if, if you're saying Putin is wrong to go into Ukraine, then how is, uh, how was George W. not wrong to go into Iraq? And so I agree with that, 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 point he's trying to make is we can't just say, well, it's okay for America or really it wasn't you and me. It was uh, the, the, the Bush administration to invade Iraq. Okay. And so, yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate him bringing up that point and then listen to what he says about George W being under, uh, where he can't leave America. I was ours considered okay and Russia's not. The only, they're both for the same thing, regime change. Same thing. We want to change who was governing Iraq. Putin wanted to change who was governing Ukraine. Now, don't get me wrong, I didn't support either war. They both suck. But everybody, you notice our national media doesn't bring that up at all, do they? And you notice they brought up. When, now the Fed or the international courts have made it so Putin can't travel now because he's considered a war criminal. Let's not forget the international courts did the same thing with Bush and Cheney after the invasion of Iraq. Why do you think George Bush can't leave the U.S.? Didn't know that. I didn't even know that. Did you guys know that? Where have I been? I didn't even realize that. Okay, I guess that's true. Put in the comments below if, if, if you think that's, you know, not true or whatever. So the point is, you know, yes, regime change, but regime change, <laughs> if you've got a, a, your neighbor, a country that is your direct neighbor, and this country used to be part of Russia, then and then you end up saying, that if, I, if we don't do something serious, that all these people in the Donbass are going to die, and they're likely going to attack us with these bioweapons, I can understand why you would have to invade. If, that, if those are true, if those are true, if the people of the Donbass are being bombed and they cannot protect themselves, then, so, then yes, I think it's right for, you, for Putin to go in and protect them, if, if that's true, and I, and I do believe that it is true. And then number two, if there are 26 bioweapons labs and that they are a threat to your your people in your country, that they would send these bioweapons into your country and to kill your people, then you have to take action. So on the other hand, again, Ukraine, Kiev used to be Russian territory until it was uh, stolen by the CIA. But you can't make any of those arguments with, with um, Iraq because that is not, it was never part of American territory, right? There weren't bioweapons labs in there. They just had these reserves, uh, natural natural reserves and resources that, that they wanted to steal. So I didn't know that they that he was not able to leave America. Anyway, so I wanted you to see that and put your comments below. You know what you think. Now, the now you got caught them in another lie. We keep caught catching them in so many lies. Did you know that this was? It just came out this week that we literally have 
uh, special U.S. special forces in Ukraine. Check this out. Now we know that there are, in fact, boots on the ground, American special forces fighting in Ukraine. We also know that Ukraine is losing that war. Most media outlets are telling you the opposite. They're telling you, in fact, to focus on the leaker, not what he leaked. But Senator Mike Braun of Indiana is one of the very few Republicans in the Senate who is concerned about the substance of this story. What do these documents reveal and how should we respond? Senator Braun joins us tonight. Senator, thank you so much for coming on and for paying attention to what matters, not the kid, but what he showed us. What do you think these documents say and how should we respond to them? Yeah, we've been engaged over there for over a year and all you heard was transparency and we will not have troops on the ground. Sadly, you get the information like this. Just a few days ago, we sent off a letter tell us who authorized this, how many are actually there, what are they doing. This is eerily familiar to what we should have learned decades ago in Vietnam, getting engaged yes. in these things where mission creep comes into play, Afghanistan, Iraq, looks like it's reeling all over again. Big difference is this is where two world wars were started. Much different setting, much different context. We're going to make sure that we get to the bottom of it supposed to give us an answer by May 2nd. What's so distressing when you hear that is you're not a talk show host on a cable news channel. You're a sitting United States senator who was elected by your entire state. And one of your jobs is to provide oversight of the Pentagon. And if they held that information from you, they hid it from you, that seems like a very big deal. It's a big deal. And it's not the first time. Look at how many other times within agencies in the Biden administration. Look how they've used executive orders when they bypass the legislative process. This is clear. If you're going to deploy troops, that's a congressional responsibility from the 73 Wars Powers Act. There's so much in this administration that they use the agencies, if they can't get it done legislatively, let's yes. just force the issue. Here they just do whatever they, whatever they please and let the you know, devil may care and then figure okay catch us if you can and so you know this is a this is outrageous you know we've been sending so much money over there that oh but we're not sending troops and now it comes out that they are and this young man who leaked this information whatever his motivation was you know the truth is has been revealed and that's what they're mad about right and so this is a, a senator i hope you know this uh, mike braun can can get to the bottom of it, but this is this is where the, the Pentagon has got to be held to an account. Whoever has done this and bring our our, our people back immediately, immediately, you know, and it's it's so um, <laughs> so frustrating because they they just do not care and they'll drag their feet and and him and they'll haul and and just continue to do their their evil. It just never stops. It's very frustrating. So. That's why we got to fight to get President Trump in there. All right, so did you see this? This was the girl, whatever. I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if she's a girl, but whatever. Uh, I don't want to misgender anybody. <laughs> Heavens help us. We don't want that to happen. Um, she or whatever um, was the one who was ridiculing all the Bud Light drinkers, saying that they were a bunch of bigots, etc. <laughs> And now look at her. She was led out the door. Goodbye. Takes a leave of absence. She's had a leave of absence. And she's replaced by the Budweiser Global Marketing VP, Todd Allen. 
<laughs> a leave of absence. In other words, bye. Don't let the door hit you in the on the way out. Very, very, very good. This has really caused a big uh, shake up um, with uh, with the Bud Light. I think they lost like thirty percent market share. And so great for Coors Light and uh, Miller Light. Great job. So keep the pressure on as well as on Jack Daniels, as well as on P&G. And don't forget when you go to FreedomForce.live and you go to the um, let's see this let's see the health. Right here, go to health and the boycott the beast. Then you can find out ways that you can get off of the P and G wagon. I'm sick, sick, sick of them. They make us sick, number one, and they also are are promoting this uh, all this ridiculousness. Okay, so I want you to see that. Yeah, I just want to make sure you saw that. Now, <laughs> so along that same line, I'm telling you, this misgendering thing is so funny. You got to catch this, guys. You're cracking me up. Kind of ironic that a white man <laughs> is wearing a woman for Trump and a feminist for Trump when I consider did, myself a feminist and... Did you just assume my gender? You, I, said, you said white man. Okay, I, I see your point. I know I'm not a woman. I see your point. I see your point. I, you need, you need to check your white privilege, your white female privilege, I think. A little bit. I actually identify as a non-binary, gender-fluid dragon kid. When woke go wrong, <laughs> she bought into it. Hook, hook. She in the hook, y'all. Hook, line, and sinker. All that woke stupidity. And then he said, why you assume my gender? I'm sorry. These people are nutty, bro. <laughs> That's awesome. That guy cracked me up. So that's what you do. That's what you do. Somebody starts coming at you. So you I, did you assume my gender? <laughs> Love it. Go ahead. Y'all have fun with that. Have fun with that. That is too funny. These people, you can't even, you can't even make it up how, how ridiculous. And they can't keep up with their own ridiculousness. So let's just push it back on them. All right. So, all right. So I'm going to show you, uh, um, I think it's like five or six, seven times when our Lord Jesus um, appeared after he rose. Okay, so here we are in the time when uh, we've counted, we're counting the Omer, right? And you see it right behind me, uh, the, the, the Omer. And Jesus is the first fruits. He's the first one to rise from the dead. And, and when it talks about him being the first fruits, he's the first one to get this body. And I'm going to tell you kind of some of the things he was able, able to do with this new cool body. And I'm ready to have this cool new body. And it's uh, pretty, pretty, pretty neat. All right, so... So, um, first of all, <laughs> he can rise from the dead. That's a cool one. <laughs> Check that off as a cool one. And so watch this video. It's not a short, uh, long video at all. It's like 15-minute video. It's Jesus' resurrection appearance. You can find this on freedomforce.live. Let me go back down here. Move me. When you go to freedomforce.live and you go to Bible videos, you'll see this is like the fifth one down. And so then you can watch it on my channel or you can watch it on YouTube. Anyway, so... Um, he appeared. He rose from the dead, of course, and you know the you know very well about how he appeared to um, Mary uh, Mary Magdalene, and then he appeared to um, to the disciples, right? So those are now there's the those are the first two. Um, so um, here it is, and I'm going to show you a little clip of the video because it's so beautiful. On the evening of the first day of the week, okay, the first day of the week is Sunday, okay. The seventh day is the is Saturday. Okay, just want to make sure that you know that. Okay, so on the first, the evening, so it was the evening of the first day of the week. 
when the disciples together. Now, let me just say that. Okay, so, <laughs> this is, so it's not really Sunday night. It's actually Saturday night through the, it's kind of hard for me to remember too, but Saturday night all the way through until the, the sun goes down on Sunday, that is the first day of the week. So when you have Sunday night, that's the first day of the week. Okay. Okay. So uh, the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Okay. So this is, uh, this is amazing. So this is a week after Mary Magdalene had seen him. He, you know, and, and she had told them, she says, I saw the Lord, but he appears to them on that Sunday, well, Saturday night, okay, the first day of the week, the evening. Isn't that interesting? So, um, so he says, peace be with you. And, um, they were, but he's, he's, he just appears in the room. So there's your second amazing thing that Jesus can do. He can go through walls. He can just appear. He can do kind of like Star Trek, you know, how you beat me up, Scotty. He can do that kind of, how cool is that? And the Bible says that he's the first fruits and and we will have the same body as he does. How cool is that? That body can never die again. And this body can do all kinds of amazing things. So I'm going to show you the the next thing is he's, um, he's in the room with them. And so this is so beautiful. Jesus said, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I am sending you. But it's going to be different because he was going to leave and they were going to have to go on without him physically with them. And they were going to have to, to lead the way. Kind of. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Look at that. Isn't that beautiful? All right, so I'm going to take you to this video. Okay, that's actually a different one. So let me take you to this one and you can see. Sunday evening and the disciples were gathered together behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities. Then Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you. After saying this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were filled with joy at seeing the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I send you. Then he breathed on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? All right, so so you know to receive the power of the Spirit of God, and that's that's what you know we are are you know constantly receiving of His power to do this job. There's no way in and of our own strength that we would be able to do any of this. There's just no way, no zero way. Anyway, so that was the second appearance. Okay, so first was Mary, and then a week later, okay, on the first day of the week. So this. Remember how I keep going? This is the second week of the count, t- counting of the Omer, the first day. 
okay? And or or this and then the second week and the second day and the second week and the third day and all that. So now we're on since it's this Sunday, this is the third week and the first day, okay? So now on the third week, the first day, let me tell you what happens then. So um so John um, Thomas was not with them on when when uh when he appeared to them. He was out <laughs> getting groceries or something. We, it doesn't say where he was. And he's mad because uh, he's like, and, he, and he's not going to believe it. Now, the problem is the very same thing happened with the disciples. They didn't believe Mary. They didn't believe Mary Magdalene. And when she told them that, he, that, that she had seen the Lord. And now Thomas is doing the same thing, even though it's 10 of them who were saying, I saw, we saw the Lord. He said, they're like, we don't, we don't believe you. <laughs> Thomas is like, I don't believe you. Anyway, so check this out. Um, Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples said, we've seen the Lord. But he said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. All right, so let's see with a video of what he said, what happens then. You forgive people's sins. There's Thomas. He's coming in the door. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Unless I see the scars of the nails in his hand and put my finger on those scars and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were together again indoors, and Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you. <laughs> Put your finger here and look at my hands. And reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop your doubting and believe. My Lord and my God. Do you believe? Because you see me. How happy are those who believe without seeing me? In his disciples okay so first of all so Jesus don't get don't miss this Jesus heard what Thomas had said <laughs> he's Jesus is like Santa Claus he knows if you're naughty he knows if you're nice so he knew what Thomas had said he said because remember Thomas says I won't believe unless I put my fingers you know on his nails on his hands where the nails were and the, and, and in his side where he, the spear went in and so Jesus says that very thing. So I want you to know, Jesus hears every word. You think he's too busy. He's not. <laughs> he's not too busy. He knows everything. And so he's uh, saying, look, don't, don't doubt, but believe. Now, Thomas was the same one uh, long before when, um, when at one point he was like, you know, when Jesus was going to Jerusalem, and um, kind of, Thomas is kind of a little bit of a negative Nelly, whatever. So he's, when Jesus is going to Jerusalem and he's like, well, let's just go and we'll die too. 
like a little grumpy pants. And uh, but he did go. He did go. And then so in his defense, and he didn't just be like, I'm headed to, I'm going home. So then, um, and then the other thing that he said, remember when Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He says, how do we know the way? He says, I am the way. We don't know the way, Thomas said, but Jesus says, I am the way. Okay, so that's why it's so great to be connected to him and and to follow him because he will direct your steps. And uh, he directs our steps all the time because he's the way. He's the way to your to for your finances he's the way for your relationships he's the way for your health he's the way for whatever for to save our country he's the way and so we just connect to him and we we listen to him and we're led by his spirit as he breathes on us his spirit all right so i want you to see that isn't that cool isn't that cool all right so that was what was had the the third appearance okay so you've got that and now you've got these guys on this road to emmaus all right so i'm gonna read the story and then i'll play a little clip to for you now that uh the same day two of them um were walking to a, a village called emmaus about seven miles away from jerusalem they were talking with each other about everything that had happened and as they talked and discussed these things with each other jesus himself walked up and walked along with them but they were kept from recognizing him so that's another thing about jesus he can disguise himself he i think he disguised himself with mary magdalene you see she thought he was the gardener and all of a sudden he, appeared, he revealed himself kind of cool kind of cool um who, who wants to be able to do that <laughs> that's kind of cool he asked them what are you discussing as you walk along what you talking about uh, they probably were all flipping out, right? They stood still and their faces were downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? Have you been living under a rock? <laughs> That's basically what he's saying. What things, Jesus asked, of course he asked, about uh, Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to sent and sentenced him to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped, so they've lost hope, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. Okay, so this is the day of his resurrection. Um, in addition, some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Um, you know, they didn't bring up at this point about Mary Magdalene, but the, about the other other women. Then some of the com companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. Okay, so the course, the two were John and Peter, and then. Jesus said, how foolish you are, and you're slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Didn't it say the Messiah had to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So they approached a village in which they were going, and Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him, so he's tricking them. Anyway, so they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening. Six o'clock is, is, is dangerous, right? Six o'clock is the beginning of the day. 6 p.m. The day is almost over to start the new day. So they, he went in to stay with them. And he was at the table with them. And he took bread and he gave thanks and broke it and began to give it to them. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And then he disappeared from their sight. <laughs> they, they, he, he had... He had 
fooled them. <laughs> he just said, that's all there is to it. They had fooled them. And then they asked each other, um, weren't we our heart, were not our hearts burning within us as we, he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And so they got up and went back to Jerusalem to tell everyone um, what had happened. All right, so I'm going to show you that little clip here, too. Um, that one's actually on this video right here called The Appearance, misspelled appearance, A-P-P-E-R-A-N-C-E, of Christ on the road to Emmaus. Okay, so check this out. Okay, so they're there talking, and he's talking with them. So I'll, I'll just move forward to where they, they end up going to that home. Let me see, right here. is the bread of life. This is my body given up for you. This is my blood poured out the healing of others. I tell you. <laughs> so, he, obviously he changed, he revealed himself. Pretty, pretty cool. So, yeah, as it says, he's the first fruits and that we will get this same body. So I don't know how we would utilize that. But anyway, whatever. It's an interesting, <laughs> it's an interesting ability. I like the idea of going through walls. That's kind of cool. And I like the idea of rising from the dead. That's kind of cool too. <laughs> Very cool. He is risen. He appeared to us. <laughs> he broke bread with us. All right, so I want you to see that. So then, then the other one is when they went back to Jerusalem, here's what happened then. On that same day, two of them were, um, okay, that's, that's, I need to go farther down. Okay, so he broke it, and then he said, while they were talking about this, Jesus himself, okay, so, so the guys go back to Jerusalem. They start telling the guys, this is what happened. We were walking, we were walking with, you know, someone, and we thought he was so cool, and we wanted him to stay and hang out with us, and so we had, he came to our home, and he's breaking the bread, and he's doing the wine, and he, and all of a sudden, we realized, he, you know, it was Jesus. He revealed himself that it was Jesus, and then he disappeared, and so we wanted to come back and tell you. While they're telling all this, while they're talking about it, Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace be with you. So he can appear anytime, any place he wants to. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He saw. He said to them, "Why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me. See, I'm a, I'm a ghost. Does not have flesh and bones, as you see. I have. Feel me. I'm, I'm, uh, you don't just like go right through my body. I'm a flesh and bones human. Okay, but the difference is." I am can never die again. Pretty cool. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. I love that. So he's like, see, I, food goes in and it goes into my body and it, it's not falling out <laughs> like a ghost. Okay. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. 
And that's what's happening even now. That everything that God has written is going to come to pass. There is nothing that can stop what is coming. There is just nothing that can stop it. So he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them that this is what's written. The Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sin must be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. In that for 2,000 years, for an age. This is what they would be called the church age. And then you have the millennial age, which is another this you know, huge span of time. So this is this is what he's telling right here that this had to happen. And now we know where we are on this timeline. There's no doubt about it. What we're witnessing is the beginning of the kingdom of Christ on earth, where it's finally gone to all the people all over the world. Okay. So, um, yeah. So, but then he said something very important. He says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Okay. So there was that one, but there was another one. There's another one. Okay. At one point, okay. So that was when, that was at the 40 days that he left, that he, um, when he ascended, but let me get, go to the, another one first. Okay. So then he also appeared to them in Galilee. Now, I don't exactly know how he said to stay, but it must have been before he told them to stay in Jerusalem. He told them that he saw them in Galilee. And this is what's kind of weird is that you've got Peter who had been a fisherman all of his life. And now all of a sudden he's, after Jesus has died and, and risen, now he's going back to being a fisherman. So he has to figure out, okay, am I going to be able to do this? without Jesus physically here, where I have to, I can't just be a follower, I have to be a leader. And that's the question for each one of us. Can we do this, where we lead the charge and we, we follow his, his directions, even if he's not physically, we don't physically see him, but we, we sense his presence, okay? And that's really what he's calling us to do right now, is to trust him and to believe him and to, and to follow his, his lead. Okay, so G, Jesus appeared uh, uh, to the disciples by the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. It's not that far. Um, Simon, Peter, Thomas, um, Nathaniel from Cana, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. And Peter says, I'm going fishing. Well, we'll come too, they said. So they went out in the boat and they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved, this is done by John, because John's writing this. He doesn't like to use his, his name. He just says, he just considers himself a disciple that Jesus loved. He says, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. <laughs> he says, it's the Lord. And when Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he had been stripped for work. He jumped in the water and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the load next uh, net loaded net to the shore. But there was only about a hundred yards from the shore. When they got there, they found Jesus uh, breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over charcoal fire and some bread. <laughs> so Jesus didn't have to go fishing. He just had made the, the, the food right there for them. Bring some of the fish you've caught. So Simon Peter went uh, abroad and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net had not torn. Now, come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them bread and fish. This was the third time he had appeared to his disciples since he had raised 
from the dead. Okay, so then, I guess that was before. I have to go back and figure out <laughs> how it all happened. But anyway, so the point, I want you to see this one, this little clip right here on this one, on my website, uh, his resurrection appearances. So now, he's, <laughs> this is where he's, he jumps in the water. And could not pull it back in. <laughs> because they had caught so many fish. disciple whom That's Jesus John. loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. <laughs> when Peter heard that it was the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken his clothes off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples came to shore in the boat, pulling the net full of fish. They were not very far from land, about a hundred yards away. When they stepped ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught. Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net ashore full of big fish, 153 in all. Even though there were so many, still the net did not tear. Come. And eat. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. So Jesus went over, took the bread, and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This then was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from death. I love that. I love that. I love Peter. How he leaves the fish and he jumps right into the water. He wants to go. And see Jesus. He doesn't want to miss a half second along with Jesus. So they all come in and they're having uh, they're having their breakfast with him, like like old times. But he's just appearing to them like like on on the Sabbath day, on on the on Sunday. Every you know uh, whether it's in the evening or in the sun, Sunday morning, there that's when he's appearing to them. And so they're having to get used to that he is not with them. Okay, so, but the problem is, the question for each one of them is, am I going, what am I going to do with my life? Am I going to go back to fishing, or am I going to, um, to, to have a ministry, to go into the world and preach the gospel? And they really had not yet caught that vision yet, okay? So hang on real quick. So now Jesus is going to ask Peter something that's going to kind of break his heart a little bit. Because remember, Peter denied knowing the Lord three times. And so the Lord Jesus asks him, do you love me more than these? Now, I've heard people say, oh, is he talking about, do you love me more than the other disciples love me? And I don't think that's what he's talking about. He's talking about the fish. Do you love me more than you love fishing? And that's really what he's asking. You know, And it's really about... What, where's, what are you going to do from here? Jesus had been with his disciples for you know all these years, three years, three and a half years possibly. So he is, you know, I think that's maybe what time, times in half a time, 1260 days. I think that's maybe really what it is about, but whatever. So, so um, he's saying, what are you going to do from here on out? Are you going to, you know, be a fisher of men or are you going to go back to catching fish? 
you know, and that's really the issue for each of us. We could, you know, we don't have to be in this battle. That's the question for you and me. Are you going to be in this battle? Are you going to fight hard in this battle to, to, to save America? Or are you going to just go about your daily business? That's really what it, what it boils down to for each one of us. This conversation Jesus has with Peter is his conversation with each one of us. After they had eaten, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these others do? Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Take care of my lambs. A second time, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Take care of my sheep. A third time, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter became sad because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And so he said to him, You know everything. You know that I love you. Take care of my sheep. So, that's why I don't think that it's, you know, they, the way they play it in this movie is that he's saying, do you love me more than these others? Because they all, each of them, had to make that decision about, and each one of them did, uh, go forward and, and uh, with the ministry to try to um, reach the, the people with the gospel. You know, <laughs> he needed uh, these, you know, uh, humanly speaking, you know, all these years of having these, these uh, training them up, he needed these 12 to, to, to continue the work. And clearly they did. Clearly they did. So we'll talk about that and uh, how that how they had the power to do that then. But this is what I think he's talking about is, um, you know, it broke his heart because he's the third time because it's it reminded him of how he had terribly um, failed the Lord. And so it broke his heart. But um, he, he knew that nothing, it was not worth it, that it was not worth the pain for him to deny the Lord. It was not worth it. He would rather go to his death, and that's really basically what happened. He did die for his faith, but he was willing to do that, and, and, and it was better than feeling that he had, had um, failed the Lord. And the, <coughs> sorry, <coughs> the problem is, um, you know, you may in your heart, and I know in his heart he was like, I'm, I love the Lord, and, but then it, the difficulty is that, that the flesh is weak, as our Lord Jesus told him. And I just know in your heart, you're in your heart, in your mind, you you want to follow me, but it's your the flesh is weak, and that's why we need power from on high, and that's where we talk about this in um, the next one. Okay, that was that's in John chapter twenty. Okay, so now we talk about the the first fruits. We're going to talk about that in a second. Okay, so let me go to Acts. So this is Acts chapter two, and it, this is the next. Um, okay, back up. I've got to back up. All right. So then. After Jesus um, went with them 
to he is he told them let's go to okay he had been in with them in Jerusalem and he said let's go to um to the area of the vicinity of Bethany which is on the mount like near the Mount of Olives, okay? And there's a church there called the Church of the Ascension. So he led them to this top of this mountain, and uh, it's near near Bethany. And he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually in the temple praising God. So every day they're getting stronger and stronger in their faith because they've seen him. They, they, you know, he's breathed on them. He's, he's encouraged them about, you know, what their future is going to be. And now they, they see him ascending into heaven. Okay. So now they're, they're in Jerusalem. They're waiting. So this is at the 40th day when our Lord Jesus ascends. And so then they get to, they, they, and so that's like middle of the week. That's not, that's not on a Sunday. So then they end up going, uh, staying in Jerusalem, just like he told them to do. And that's where we go into Acts chapter 2. And that's the day of Pentecost. That's the day of the 50th day of the counting of the Omer. Seven weeks plus that next day on that Sunday. It's always the day before Memorial Day. Okay, so on that day of Pentecost, all the believers were together in one, in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it would fill the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them ability. They were going to need the ability to go to Ethiopia and speak Ethiopian, to go to Greece and speak Greek, to go to where and speak that language. They needed this special ability that they they were just fishermen. They were not learned men. They would need a miracle to be able to, to pull this off. And one of the one of the big ways they would need that is to be able to communicate to tell the gospel. Okay? But it's a very interesting gift. Let me show you what, what's, what happened on that day. At that time, there was devout Jews on every nation, from every nation living in Jerusalem. They were all there for the Jubilee celebration, the, Pen, the day of Pentecost, the 50th day, the celebration. They would all come and celebrate this, uh, this great day. And when they, because they were all waiting for the, for the Jubilee to appear, like, is this going to be the year for the Jubilee? Kind of like what I'm saying, is this the year? When they heard the, the loud noise, they came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. Listen to this. They were completely amazed. How can this be? These people are not from Galilee, are from all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the areas of Libya, around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Cretans and Arabs, and all and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. Now, I'm not going to go into the whole thing where, where Peter starts talk, talking to them and all that. But this is quite, quite an interesting uh, ability, quite an interesting gift. The Lord gave them the ability to speak in these in some way that people could understand them. It almost makes you think that they could, people from all over could it was almost a gift of hearing too because the people could understand them no matter who they were listening to it's really quite something and this was this was a gift because you know they'd never seen such a thing as this that's very very amazing gift 
All right, so you see that our Lord Jesus could <laughs> go through walls, raised from the dead. He can, uh, you know, just have bread and fish appear, right? Don't need to, 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 to go fishing. He can, you know, go go through walls. He can fly away <laughs> into heaven. Um, and this amazing thing about uh, speaking in these languages. So it's, a, you know, just so many things that, that the Lord will give us the ability to do what we need at that very hour and that one day we will get that body. He's the first fruits. This is what the counting of the Omer is. And that one day we will get that same gift, that same body that can never die again and that can uh, can do all these, uh, like, uh, transfigure. Pretty cool. All right, so um, all right, so that, I want you to see Jesus is the first fruits from the dead. This is a verse right here indicating that Jesus was not the first... It, uh, he wasn't the first person to ever rise from the dead. The first fruits indicates the first sheaf, w- w- which will be followed by other sheavings. Anyway, in other words, that he's the first, that, like that's a sheaf, okay, a sheaf of grain. And so he's the first one to rise from the dead and that we also will. Let's see, here it is in uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20. Um, let's see. Jesus was raised from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So this is our eternal hope is that our loved ones will rise. This is our hope that one day we will all, you know, not only see them in heaven, but that everyone will have their bodies back perfect and never to die again. This is the promise in God's word. And and uh, clearly, Jesus has the power to do so. If he can raise himself from the dead, he can certainly raise each one of us. It's pretty pretty cool. All right, so, um, yeah, once you see that, that's on uh, freedomforce.live uh, slash Bible videos. And don't forget, you can check out the um, the books, the audiobooks right here on, on uh, under audiobooks. So you can listen to the good news about the end times. This is the end of their rule over us. I've got three books. I've got two of them that are now on audiobook. And you can see them right here. In, uh, in under the audiobook section, and you can also see them on, um, on, let's see if I can do this quickly, on, yeah, this one is the major clues from Minor Prophets, and um, that's the one where it, the Minor Prophets told us exactly what was going to happen, they told us, and so this is, if you haven't read that one, you definitely got to read that one too because they told us exactly what was going to happen. Very, It's very, very exciting. And then, of course, the End Times in a Thousand Years of Peace, which is the decode of Revelation, if you're new to that. And then my newest one, which is one of my, you know, just one of my things that I've been wanting to do for years, is to show how this is happening before our eyes. If we just have the eyes to see it, that, for example, President Trump is our Samson, bringing down these, the, the temple on their heads. Like our, our David, defeating this Goliath, and we're you know along with him. Pretty pretty amazing day that we're living in. All right, I think that's it. Okay, here's the sheaves of uh of the grain that we are counting off again today. Is the third, uh third week of the counting of the Omer, the first day, and this is why we celebrate. We worship on. On Sunday, because this is this is exactly when the Lord rose. This is when He met with them, and that's the whole point: is that we are not just being religious; we are meeting with the Lord for Him to to speak to us and to strengthen us for this uh, for whatever job He has given us to do. Okay, so let's pray. Thank you again, Lord. 
Thank you for your word. Thank you that you have all this written uh, down for us. And thank you for helping us to understand it. And to, to uh, thank you for breathing on us and helping us to hear your voice and to feel your presence and to sense your leading every day. We pray for everyone uh, on our Freedom Force Battalion. I pray that you would strengthen them. I pray you'd strengthen their bodies. I pray you would strengthen their minds. I pray you would strengthen their their uh, their pocketbook. I pray you'd strengthen their their health. I pray you'd strengthen their families and their relationships. I pray you'd strengthen everything that they're doing. I pray you'd direct each one on what you would have each one of them to do. We we do love you more than fish. <laughs> we love you more, more than any of this. And uh, we want to be shown as worthy as we fight in this great battle uh, alongside uh, alongside you. As you, even though we we, we and if we don't necessarily see you, we know that you are here with us and leading us. We pray all this in your wonderful name, King Jesus. Amen. I love you guys. And I'm going to get out of here because <laughs> I took too long, but I really had a good time. And I hope you did too. And I will talk to you later. <laughs>